Hello and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce Odyssey podcast. I'm here with Matt Edmonton from Orion. Orion is an e-commerce services company and I believe also Matt does a lot of coaching. So Matt, would you like to tell us about, about yourself and your how you got into this business? Yeah, hi Trevor. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, how did I get into e-commerce? Uh, the answer is by accident. It was never by design. Um, we just sort of stumbled into it back in 2002, so a, a very long time ago now in digital years. Uh, we, we, uh, we did, <laughs> I just sort of launched my own business back then, and we were one of our little one of our little side hustles was to do websites for small businesses. And it was very early on in the internet, and um, and I. I'd heard, you know, stories about e-commerce and people selling stuff. And so I thought, why, let's, how hard can it be? Let's, you know, let's write a little bit of code and write a little web store. And so I contacted a friend of mine who uh, was uh, selling. Uh, we were already buying stuff from him to sell to other people. And I said, do you mind if I just sell this stuff online? He said, no, not at all. Uh, and we just put it on the website. Actually, six months later, he he purchased that website from me. So that was the first e-commerce business, and it was a successful exit and sale. So, you cool. know, I should so have retired. In 2002, then. I'm trying to, what was available? So, how were you? Because <laughs> I'm interested. How were you taking payment in 2002? Uh, people, um, it was fascinating. Back then, people would just put the credit card details into the system, and you know. You would key them into a machine. Oh, and then you just re-keyed onto, mm. onto a terminal. I don't know if you've been watching Pam and Tommy, the, 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 about the Pam and Tommy sex video. Okay. Yeah, well, there's a, there's a TV show about that. And the whole thing about that is, you know, it was one of the first things that people sold on the internet in a way. Mm -hmm. And so it's this, you know, this whole thing, and you know, someone going, where can we sell this? And they go, oh, we can sell it on a website. And it's you know, <laughs> just, you know, what's a website? Yeah. And, it's just, you know, and there's people, you know, bringing up these very very primitive looking websites and then you send them a check and they send you a video back and those were the days weren't they well people used to send us checks all the time uh, people used to fax orders in i mean it was just crazy you know some of the ways that we would do it uh <laughs> but yeah it's, you're right it's like it's very different now i mean you wouldn't get away with half the things that we that we did back then you know it, you, you wouldn't be able to do it security would be a massive issue but yeah back then everyone seemed think, to be yeah, willing so to throw all in. the criminals have got more more got more sophisticated as well unfortunately yeah. they know yeah. that um so okay so basically tell me so after that how did you after your first after your first business what happened then so we kind of dabbled um uh in e-commerce it wasn't uh, e websites and e-commerce wasn't my primary business it was just one of these sort of side hustles my actual primary business believe it or not uh, was health spas. So I would design saunas and steam rooms and health spas and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and, and thoroughly enjoyed that as my main job. And we had this sort of side hustle where we did the websites, which just grew and grew and grew. Um, and then in 2006, uh, we launched a website called Jersey Beauty Company. Um, and uh, that was a friend of mine on the island of Jersey who I knew from the health club days so the health doing the health spas and um, he said to me Matt what can you know what should we do with our gyms had a couple of gyms on on Jersey and we're like man Jersey has at the time they had such a strange quirk in their tax laws which meant that if you shipped anything that was like I can't remember the exact figure Trevor but it was something like 22 quid or something like that 22 pounds 30 dollars um, if you shipped an a product that was under 22 pounds from Jersey, you didn't have to charge VAT. And this meant 
um, that you know you could be twenty percent cheaper than a UK competitor and still make the same profit margin. Yeah, it was a really odd quirk at the time. It's not available now, but it was back Play, then. Play.com. That was one of there was a whole lot of businesses like CD Now and Play.com. They were yeah. all running out of Jersey. Exactly, because if you think about it, that it was the ideal price. What could you sell twenty quid or under? Where you could sell DVDs, you could sell CDs. You know those kind yeah. of things back then, and make you know make some good profits on those. And so, um, and so I said to Andy, you know, you've got this tax law. You may as well take advantage of it. Um, and so we we're like, well, what do we sell? And he basically, you know, you look around the health club. What have you got? Well, you've got weights, skipping ropes. Um, not really that interesting to sell online. But what he did have was um, some professional skincare brands because he had a couple of beauty rooms uh, in his health club. And so we threw those online. And we launched the site August 2006. And I remember, I remember having this real clear conversation with Andy saying, listen, if we can sell like 10 grand's worth of product between now and the end of the year, we are more than on track. We are more than on target. Do you know I mean, that was what mm -hmm. our research came up with was sort of 10,000 pounds. And uh, that was our target. That was our aim. Uh, but we didn't sell 10 grand's worth of products by the end of 20. 2006 we actually sold 400,000 pounds worth of product mm -hmm. and so it just instantly took off it just went crazy and nuts and it was in some respects it's, it's some of the most exciting times as an entrepreneur is actually figuring out how to deal with rapid I mean rapid growth you know from zero to millions in quite quite a short time frame and um, and what that means, because, you know, if you sell one parcel, you can go down the post office and send that out yourself, can't you? But all mm. of a sudden, if you've got 100 to ship out, but you've not got an account with the Royal Mail, well, the, the post office don't like it when you walk in, stand in the queue with bags and bags of parcels. But that's what we had to do in the early years. Uh, but yeah, that so that was 2006. And we've kind of, you know, we've we got a little bit more serious when things started to get serious with Jersey. And uh, yeah, e-commerce then became our main thing. So now, so do, do you spend, do you run any e-commerce business anymore? Or is it all coaching? No, we, we run uh, e-commerce businesses at the moment. Um, we sold Jersey, that company I was telling you about, we started in 2006. That was sold last year um, mm -hmm. to Gorgeous Retail Group. So they've purchased that, um, doing great things with Jersey now. Uh, I focus on uh, a health supplement uh, company now is one of my key focuses. So we sell... Vitamins, you know, like omega-3, um, nice. uh, VegVit and all that sort of stuff. And um, the, the company specializes in the vegan certificate. So all the products are vegan certified and vegetarian society certified. Um, and so, you know, even you don't have to be a vegan to take them, obviously. But um, that was a very niche market when we started with that a few years ago. And, and that market has now grown and grown and grown over the years. So that's quite a successful business. Are you, are you a vegan yourself? Uh, if I'm honest, no, uh, I'm not. Um, I am. I'm, I'm, I. I still. I do like my meat. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I'm. I'm much more aware of the meat that I eat. Actually, working in this industry, uh, but no, I'm. I'm not a vegan. Uh, I think being a vegan is very commendable, but it's not for me. Yeah, and you know what? I get it. I get the draw of it. I get the lifestyle choice of it. I get the health benefits of it. Um, but I think. Um, and I get the principle, you know, some, I, I get why people are against um, meat. And so um, 
I think if you have a vegan or vegetarian diet, there are consequences to that, which is why I think, um, you know, we've done well with the, the supplements and, 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 and how we've brought that into the market and targeted it. Okay. So tell me about the, your experience of selling Jersey Beauty. How did you go about that? Oh, uh, it started during the pandemic. You know, we were, we'd been running Jersey for about 15, 16 years. Um, Andy, uh, my business partner from Jersey and I, we, you know, we'd been together a while and we just thought, just wonder if it's coming to a natural end for us, you know, having done it for 15 years, do we, is it now time to hand the reins on to somebody else? Have we taken this as far as we could take it was one of the questions that we were asking. And we weren't, I'd made sort of tentative inquiries about selling. I'd talked to a few brokers. I spoke to our accountant about the whole idea. Never really sort of came up with a plan. Um, and then just sort of, it's funny, isn't it? Just how when you start to align yourself with things like that, then out of the blue, people started to contact me. And so we had two or three people contact us about buying the company, one of which was Gorgeous Retail Group. And so this sort of very small idea in the back of my head started to gather steam quite quickly uh, when, when these guys um, got a bit more serious in terms of looking at the business and made an offer that we thought, actually, this is a fairly reasonable offer. Um, and so, yeah, so we, we, we thought, you know what, it's probably about time. Uh, did you to go balance. to, because I know my experience of talking to business brokers is, I mean, depending, I don't know how much you sold your business for, but they are a, li the, they're a little bit like estate agents. I don't know, maybe just the people I talk to. But. Yeah, I, that's a good way to think about them. And um, I think the good thing about broker, we didn't sell our business through a broker in the end. Um, and partly because we were approached by the person that was buying it. We didn't, we didn't need to. Um, but yeah. I understand why people want to use brokers because, um, you know, finding, I suppose in hindsight, we could have still used a brokerage service. Maybe there were people out there who would have been willing to pay more for the business. I don't know. Um, we weren't that bothered uh, by that because we're like, well, no, here's an offer that we're willing to accept. This is, this is, you know, why, why, why torture myself to see if it could be any better. Um, but we, we could have used a broker and I, and, and I, I do know a few good e-commerce brokers and we have worked with a couple with clients over the years. And I, I think where they help you, if I'm honest, where I, I think they help you is within documentation um, and with the legal side. So not only can they find people that buy your business, they can help you get your business ready to sell. And yeah. that, that was the bit that was surprising for me in terms of when it came to selling our business was just the sheer colossal amount of paperwork um, that was required from my point of view. And, uh, you know, when you run your own business, there's a lot of assumptions that you make. There's a lot of things you kind of take for granted as you go along. Um, but actually that people can't buy assumptions. Do you know what I mean? They, they, have to, they have to really clearly know what it is they're buying. And you have to really clearly be able to articulate that. So for example, what is your IP? because part of the, the buying process is they're buying the IP. Well, what, what's with the company? What's with just me? Do you know what I mean? There's a whole hmm. series of things that I've never you, really did thought you, through. Did you get that? Was it like a um, they just paid cash and you walked away? Or was there any kind of, you know, were you tied in for any period of time? What was the, how was it structured? Um, it was a very simple structure uh, compared to a lot of structures going on. Um, and 
inevitably you are tied in in some way i think to most sales you um fortunately for, for me that and the, the guys that have bought it we've gotten very well since the purchase um and so yeah i i think there is always that element of tie-in with a sale um and so that is always something to think about you know can you work with the people that are buying this business from you can you cope with what's going on you know uh in a business which you have spent years building yes or no uh, and you have no real control over that so it is a very serious question to answer so is it is it um okay i'm just trying to get some clever questions to ask you what kind of what kind of multiple do you think that people should aim for or what what is a reasonable a multiple of profit a multiple of turnover i think what it depends greatly on who's buying your business as to how you value it so if you if for example you take um i can't tell you about the beauty business because uh there's all kinds of confidentiality documents but in front just, of I'm me, just talking i'm talking talking you know yeah yeah, yeah. Broadly, i think broad brushes broad brushes i think if you're selling a product um like you know i have a lego indiana jones here um, <laughs> if i'm selling a lego indiana jones and you know I'm, i want to sell that product-based business i think probably somewhere between three to five x on your profits is probably about reasonable um i know that there's big talks about 16x multiples and i think they're very few and far between but i think probably around three to five I think if you've got a subscription-based business, then that that value goes around twice that, maybe about six to eight times um, profits. Yeah. Subscription businesses are always much more easy to sell. Um, but then again, think about who's going to buy. And part of selling is understanding the buyer. So if I sell Lego Indiana Jones and I ship those from a warehouse and the company has to pay a lease on that warehouse and it's got a whole bunch of staff, then the person buying the company, are they buying the warehouse? Are they buying all the staff? Is that good to them? Is that bad to them? Or am I selling it over here to a competitor that's already got all of that? In which case, they're not so bothered about, say, net profits because they don't want the warehouse. They don't want the staff. What these guys want over here is the website. They want the database. Well, for those guys over there, gross profits become much more interesting. And I think your business becomes much more valuable. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? So yeah, can... absolutely. So it's the uh, as a particular word for it. Uh, the anyway, so you just strip out if you can strip out the costs and say, look, you know, you guys don't have to don't have to take these costs on, and therefore you need to value the profit in this in this different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've certainly I've certainly yeah. heard that. Yeah, it, and and that works if you are if you understand who is buying your business um, yeah. and what what's the value to them as a as a person, and I and I I think. People always shudder at the idea of selling to a competitor because they, they're going to have to do due diligence. They're going to have to go through your business with a fine tooth comb. Um, and so there is a lot of risk involved in selling to a competitor because they are going to, you know, they're basically going to go up, up one trouser leg and down the other for, for want of a better expression. You know, they're going to want to get to know you. And so um, uh, that makes a lot of people nervous. Um, but I think that there are potentially a, a, a bigger rewards if you do. Okay. So, so do you now do you focus these days on coaching then, or what's your main business these days? Yeah, I split I split my time like most people. So I do a lot of coaching, a lot of consulting, which I absolutely adore and love. Um, we do a lot of content creation, like yourself. We, you know, with a podcast, which is just fantastic. You know, and, and networking with folks. And then obviously we've got our own e-commerce businesses as well, 
um, which I also like to to still dabble in and and I think I still bring value to what we do. So um I, I sort of split my time across across those things. Okay. So what kind of what kind of on your coaching side of things, how do you um, what kind of people do you work with? Is it beginners? Is it people looking to grow their businesses? We don't tend to work with startups, if I'm honest, um, uh, mainly because of costs. Um, having a, a coach is is quite costly. Um, certainly, uh, you know, the, we're not cheap. Uh, I'll be, you know, totally straight. We're not cheap. But I think partly because of the value that we bring. That said, I we do do some stuff with startups, but I just don't charge for it. You know, we, we do help startups every now and again. Um, but I tend to work with businesses that are turning over anywhere from around 2 million upwards, really. And um, they're looking to grow their e-commerce business. And where it works super well is, I found for me, coaching businesses where e-commerce is part of their company, but it's not the whole part of their company. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we've worked with pharmaceutical companies, for example, who have a, an e-commerce website. Their business is doing okay. Um, they know it could be a lot more than what it is, um, but their main industry over here is what they want to focus on. Um, and so that they, they're like, well, come help us build team, get things established here on the e-commerce side of things. We just don't know, but we know enough to, to get somebody like you to come help us do that. It's going to be much quicker and better. And so we tend to work very well with companies like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, how do you start? I mean, do, you, do you have courses you sell or is it just, a, you know, you, you charge by the hour or is it a program or? <laughs> well, <laughs> Great you know, question, yeah. I've got quite into, I've got quite into kind of looking at, you know, people, you know, you've got people who run kind of YouTube channels and then they do kind of cohort courses and stuff like that. You know, there's loads of, you know, I think that a lot of people are launching courses these days. I'm just, yeah. And I, you know what? I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of them. I think it's a great way to get people connected in with what you're doing on a, so we have a course, um, which we, we put out at the end of 2021. Um, and funnily enough, I was talking to the team this morning, we, all of them are getting revamped this year, but we're going to do them all again. And I, I, I do enjoy doing the courses. Um, obviously there's a revenue which comes from them, which is, you know, we're a business, we've got to make money with what's going on. So we do sell them. Um, but they're a great way for people who are starting out um, and who are learning to get, you know, inside your head, to get to know what you know in, in a way that's going to help them um, who wouldn't ordinarily be able to afford the two grand a day consulting fee. You know, they yeah. just it's, it's just not possible. So, um, so yeah, we we do do the courses. I'm a big fan of them. Um, I, and it enables you to reach a much wider audience with a much greater span albeit at a much lower um, unit sale price, but it, I, I think it's great. I think it's great. And I think there's still a lot to be said for courses. And I, I still think there's a lot of opportunity in there for people to do them. Mm-hmm. So with your, with your, um, you know, your, your business, your e-commerce business, I mean, I find that everyone has their thing, right? So my thing <laughs> is marketplaces, right? And, you know, when you ask me, you ask me what's the solution. I think about like going, yeah, marketplaces. Mm. You know, I think, and what's your, you know, what's your, what's your solution to every problem when it comes to e-commerce? My solution. Your favorite to, what's your favorite solution? <laughs> <laughs> My favorite solution. We have something which we've affectionately called toilet seat marketing or toilet seat thinking. Um, and so you can't see it, Trevor, and I, I won't 
for you. Or I suppose I could here. Yeah. Uh, I always have by the side of my desk an actual toilet seat. So if you're watching this, you're pretty serious it. about this, aren't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. And if you're, and the reason I do that, and the reason why I, if I'm coaching clients, um, I've done presentations before, uh, where I've just, where I've sent everybody a toilet seat, uh, and I make them. I make them and it, it sounds I suggest that they sit on it while we do the presentation just to help them sort of think this idea through and it's a very simple idea it's, it's been around for thousands of years uh, this whole concept and it's it's this it's based on the notion that actually um a friend of, it's based on a story a friend of mine told me I, I actually stole it off him if I'm honest with you but it's great uh <laughs> He told me this story when he was at college. He used to clean toilet stalls for a living, right? That's what he did. You clean, and so if you picture in your head cleaning a toilet stall, you open the door, you clean the walls, you clean the bog, and away you go, right? Job's done. But Rich always used to win the award for having the cleanest toilets. How do you get that? How do you consistently, week in, week out, win the award for having the cleanest toilets? Doesn't sound exciting, doesn't sound exhilarating, but he did it. And people curious as to know how he did it versus the other cleaners who were cleaning toilet stores. Why did they never, ever get the feedback that Rich got? And he said, and I'll never forget it. He said, well, there's, there's a reason for this. And he showed you and he, he kind of, when if you picture going into a toilet store, you clean the walls, you clean the toilet. Then what Rich did, which nobody else did, was he turned around and he sat on the toilet. And he said, interestingly, from that position, you have the most important perspective, which is the perspective of the user. Right, yeah. And then he said, so I clean the toilet from that position as well. That's all he did, right? He just turned around. And I think as business people, we're so used to seeing uh, our businesses from one perspective, which is our perspective, the business perspective, the perspective of opening the door, which is good and right, and we shouldn't ignore it, but we also need to turn around and sit down on the toilet and see what is the perspective from our users as well uh, and look at it from both sides and i think this very simple principle of treat others the same way that you would want to be treated is just so simple and so beautiful and so wonderful that i think it solves just about every single problem out there it's uh, about wow your customers basically it's not even to wow them it's to just deliver a great experience and i think um there's a the, whenever we do the presentation there's a sort of second phase to this we call it the sink um which is where you do deliver the wow actually washing your hands is part of the whole experience but it's it's an un, it's an it's something which is unsaid or unthought and so the the great example for us was when we when we did this um in jersey we looked at you can look at every part of your e-commerce business but we picked on one specific area which was fulfillment and we were like what's it like when somebody receives a parcel from us what do our customers actually think i know what i think from my perspective uh is, is it cheap is it quick and is it reliable yeah. am, am i going to get any returns but from a customer perspective and so we started to um we, we figured out that what the customer wanted, buying skincare. If you think about buying skincare, professional skincare, the average order value was around 60 to 70 pounds per order. That's a mm. lot of money on moisturizer, right? Mm. And it was something that would, would ordinarily have been alien to me because 
I personally wouldn't have done it. So when we sent stuff out, it was very utilitarian. Uh, and we were thinking, well, man, if you're spending 70 quid on some product, you're buying more than just the professional skincare. You're buying a gift for yourself. And when we did the research, this is what we discovered, that people were, were treating themselves. Do you know what I mean? This was like a special occasion for them. So all we did, we did two things, Trevor. Um, number one was we changed the way the cardboard box was created so you had to open an extra flap which made it feel like you were unwrapping a gift right mm -hmm. and we printed nice messages on the inside of the box you know um how amazing people were how beautiful they were and so on and so forth and then inside that there was a little bit of tissue paper which you then had to unravel okay so the extra bit of cardboard and the tissue paper added like one or two pence per order so from a cost point of view we're okay the second thing we did was we, th we thought, well, we understand that the customer wants a gift, but we also understand from a business perspective, part of our values are fun. We like to do things which are a bit fun. So how do we, how do we bring the two things together? And so we replaced our packaging material. So we took out you know, the big plastic bubbles that people use. Uh, we, we were using those at the time. We took them out and we replaced them with popcorn. Uh, and so... Well, like, we like, like just foodie popcorn. Yeah, just, just all very No, not at all. Not at all. We had, um, we had machines in our warehouse, uh, which were just 24-7, just producing popcorn. The whole warehouse smelt like popcorn. I mean, we had to try, there was a science behind it, Trevor, I'm not going to lie. We had to try all kinds of different popcorn to find the right popcorn. Obviously, we didn't coat it with butter or any of that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, it was just raw popcorn. But popcorn, when you think about it, it is light. It's biodegradable, so it's good for the environment, very sustainable product. Um, and it does actually protect the products. But it was also fun, which matched our values. But here was the thing. So we added an extra bit of cardboard. We added a bit of tissue paper, and we added popcorn. Before that point, nobody really had posted any pictures of our packaging on social media unless for whatever reason we'd done the amazon thing where we'd sent a very small product in a very big box and it was like what a colossal waste do you know what i mean yeah. people would post about that um but what we discovered was after we did that everybody was posting pictures they're like man look at this it's come with popcorn do you know what i mean and so customers started to feel like actually they were unraveling a gift they were opening a gift and a gift that had a little bit of fun attached to it with a popcorn and it just that one change just by understanding both perspectives by sitting down on the toilet seat and understanding it from the user we created an experience which didn't take a whole great deal to do once we got it all set up and established but let me tell you, our repeat customer rate from that point on was noticeably higher. I mean, okay. noticeably higher and um, well above industry average. And so it was it was great to see, you know. And so this is this is my go to, you know, grab a toilet seat, sit on a toilet seat and think about life from the perspective of your user. Where does that marry and interact with what you're doing as a business and how can I make that better? That solves every e-commerce problem just about in, in my mind. Okay, so, so you've also got a, pop, a podcast. Tell me about that. How did you how did you get into podcasting? 
<laughs> I think I got into podcasting like most people because I have an ego the size of a planet. And um... what, what are you saying? What are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> Maybe it's just me, Trevor. I don't know. I'm, I might be out on a limb. Uh, but I started a podcast, the e-commerce podcast, because I wanted to build. Um, I wanted to build a brand. A brand. I wanted people to know me a lot more than what they did. Um, we were getting more into the course content, and so you know, to to establish that a podcast seemed like a good way to go. It was a bit more interesting for me than a blog because I'm not great at writing. I don't enjoy it as much, but you know, put me on the phone with somebody, and I I quite enjoy that. You know, chatting. You like away. talking. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, <laughs> obviously, you do as well, and asking questions and doing the podcast. It's great. I find fun. actually it, it is good for meeting interesting people. Yeah. That's the band, that was the when I started the podcast, we started it just because of fun, uh, if I'm honest with you. And we did, our first season was literally me talking about how to do e-commerce. And even I got bored with the sound of my own voice after season one. So after season one, it just it became like a chat show, you know, like a like exactly what you're doing now as an interview. And I get to ask very interesting people some very, you know, the questions which came into my head. And I found actually it was it was really good fun. Uh, and the networks and the contacts I've built as a result of that are just astounding. And, you know, it's been, oh, it's been wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Love it. I'm, in fact, this year, uh, we are going to be doing more podcasts. Um, so we, we have the e-commerce podcast, but we're going to be doing a sort of a more generic leadership style podcast, which is coming uh, in the next month or two. But that's going to be that whole podcast is going to be based more not on how to do leadership, but how to do the other side of leadership, like how to do family and run a company, you know, how to be a dad and run a company, mm. all the questions that um, I get asked on a lot of different podcasts, to be fair. So we're going to talk about that, how to deal with difficulties, et cetera, et cetera. So that's going to be super exciting. We've got a stories podcast coming. Yeah. I, I love it as a medium. I've fallen in love with it. And so, yeah, we're going to add another sort of two or three this year. Cool. Gosh, there's a lot of podcasts. John, look, I've got one last question for you. Right? It's what I'll ask everyone. Ask everyone, what has inspired you recently? Could be anything. Honestly, uh, as, as horrific as it sounds, the people of Ukraine, um, you, can't, uh, you can't look at what's going on in Ukraine and not be utterly inspired by the resolve of people. And actually, the resolve of the human spirit, um, even from outside you know a lot of the guests we've had on the show talking about it and some of the stuff hearing some of the stories that they're doing and how they can help people uh we sponsor a charity called vitamin angels a great charity through our health supplement business and our account manager she was she's first generation ukrainian she lives in the states she's managed to go and get some containers of um medical supplies and food and she has had them shipped over to um i can't i can't remember if it's poland or somewhere that borders ukraine and she's taken them across the border herself and you hear all these amazing stories you know the, the sort of the resolve and the human spirit of people to stand up to tyranny like that i think is fantastic so you've got to be inspired you've got to be inspired yeah. by the stories that are coming out and i think it's fantastic i'm just so horrified by it every day mm. i barely look my fingers so horrifying oh it is it is and I, and, and so senseless oh, I, oh it's so horrific. totally pointless what is mm. it achieving nothing yeah you know anyway so um on that cheerful note it's been lovely speaking to you 
And uh, is it uh, where can people find out more about you online? Sure. The easiest thing to do is just head on over to mattedmondson.com. All my links are there. Um, I'd love to connect with people. Yeah. And and, uh, and say hi. Great. OK, check it out. Thanks so much, Matt. Thanks, Trevor. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye bye.